Hey, all you Arizona lovers. This is the Finding Arizona podcast, episode number 251. I am your host, Jose. Thank you so much for listening. Today's guest is Roots Pediatric Therapy. I'm very excited to share this episode with all of you because most of you know that Brittany and I are expecting our first child. So learning information from a professional and learning what other parents and families are going through is just a uh, uh, tip of the hat to us because we love learning information. We love, you know, gaining as much as we can and experiencing that. So it was very, very enlightening for us. And we hope that it's enlightening for you. And thank you to Hannah for coming in and sharing her story. Uh, we'll move into a little bit of our business side. You can hear every episode of Finding Arizona Podcast at our website, www.findingarizonapodcast.com. There you can uh, sign up for our newsletter or the blog. Check out the blog. The newsletter is a little bit more of the professional side of of the podcast telling you what's going on in the community and who's coming up next in our podcast. The blog is a little bit more of the personal side of us. You can hear what's going on in our lives, what we're going through, what Brittany and I actually enjoy doing together. So all of that's available on the blog. And last but not least, if you'd like to become a super fan, you can go over to patreon.com slash finding Arizona podcast. There we have bonus content for you, even a bonus podcast for you. Sign up for one of the tiers and you'll get all of that available to you. That's patreon.com slash Finding Arizona Podcast. Now, next up is our community corkboard. If you'd like to send us an event or something that you're wanting to shout out, send us a line over at FindingArizonaPodcast at gmail.com. There we'll set you up with a shout out like the following events that are coming up in the community. Uh, the virtual happy hour experimental cocktail series with Mascal Carreño is taking place today from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. And what they're doing is creating specialty cocktails for either different themes or different foods. This particular series episode is going to be focused around faux soup. And for those of you who are interested, please go check out Mascal Carreño. They have um, all the links for the Zoom meeting. And on top of that, it's just a fun time to get, uh, get you know, enjoy happy hour. So next up, taking place September 10th. For the love of weird plants, growing cacti and succulents. This is for all you green thumbs out there taking place Thursday, September 10th from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. They will be showing and live streaming on YouTube how to um, plant, uh, take care, and just uh, grow beautiful succulents and cacti. Uh, they do ask for a donation, just a small donation to help them keep going. But the, again, the class is free. It's just a, a willing donation. Go check it out. This is taking um, for Spade Foot uh, Spade Foot Nursery, and I encourage you guys to go check out Spade Foot Nursery. Um, it's going to be a fun event, also available again online. Next up, another live event online is the Women of the Century Storytellers Project. That's taking place Tuesday, uh, August 18th, from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Again, I always enjoy these. Uh, long form storytelling. It's just because for me, storytelling is very important and vital. So this is an incredible series. Uh, the Women of the Century recognizes uh, women leaders in all aspects of American life, inspiring those who follow and make the world of their dreams all, all of their reality. So this is gonna be a fun series for you guys to check out. Again, taking place online Tuesday, August 18th, 
5 p.m. to 6.30. Uh, last but not least, and this is for those of you who are coming back into school at ASU, and those of you who want to just participate in the conversation, this uh, particular event is called Black Lives Matter and the Pandemic of Racism with W. Kamel Bell. For those of you who don't know, W. Kamel Bell is a um, not only a comedian, but he is uh, a award-winning, uh, has award-winning docuseries called uh, United Shades of America on CNN. And I encourage you guys to have this Q&A conversation. It is a uh, live ASU Presents event. And what they'll be doing is showing a uh, virtual event series, Black Lives Matter. And it's like a town hall conversation. And they will be showing this screened on one of the building or screened in one of the buildings at ASU. And this takes place Thursday, August 27th from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, tickets are available online, asu365communityunion.com. But they'll also be showing it online. So go check out all of that information. And I encourage you guys, again, W. Kamal Bell's docuseries is an interesting one where you can learn about different sides of society. And he has the conversation more in depth and shows you firsthand what he has to go through and what he does as a conversationalist, as a comedian, and as someone who is just a community member. So that is the end of our community cork board. Again, there's a lot of things going down in Arizona. I encourage you guys to stay safe, wear a mask, keep social distancing up. Uh, it's very encouraging to see see some of the sports back and all the information that's been coming out um, with new um, uh, vaccines and things like that. It's just, again, things are starting to ramp up and get back to normal, but I still, there's a precaution still in place. So I encourage you guys enjoy yourselves, but do it safely. And that'll end our intro and I'll end our community cork board. But thank you again for joining us here at Finding Arizona Podcast. And uh, we hope that you enjoy this episode. This is episode number 251 with Roots Pediatric Therapy. See you on the next one. What is it you do and why do you do it? Here at Finding Arizona Podcast, we love to showcase that. And so do our friends at Every Impression Counts. They offer free strategy consultations so you can envision the possibilities for your business or idea, such as websites, social media management, paid advertising like the top of Google, along with advertising on Facebook, Instagram, Snap, video production, photography, podcasting, SEO, blogging, analytics, and so much more. In today's world, it's never been so cost-effective to produce and distribute content with the tools that you have at your disposal. If you've ever thought, what if, just have a combo with my friends at Every Impression Counts. You can find them at eic.agency or check out the, what they're up to by following them on Instagram and Facebook at Every Impression Counts and tell them Finding Arizona Podcast sent you. Every year, 23 and a half million people go undiagnosed from a sleeping disorder. This includes military veterans and our first responders. Sleep labs and services can cost $3,500 with insurance and take two and a half months on average to complete. If only there was a company that can make the process of being diagnosed more affordable, more comfortable, and more convenient for all. There is. Introducing TaylorMade Sleep Services, an online-based platform that educates, treats, and coaches patients. The process costs $350 for a telemed consultation, an expedited delivery of a home unit, a final telemed consultation, treatment options, and prescriptions. In less than two weeks, you'll be on your way to better sleep. Visit them today at TaylorMadeSleep.com.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Finding Arizona podcast. I'm your host, Jose. As always, we bring in someone very special to our, you know, now surprisingly to the microphone just because we can't have anyone into a studio yet. But ladies and gentlemen, I would like to uh, introduce you the owner and founder of Roots Pediatric Therapy, Hannah Eichley. Oh, thanks, Jose. I'm so happy to be here today. No problem. I'm excited that you were able to find us through another person who's been through another OT, just say that, through our doors, um, our dear friend Mike from Flow. So I'm very excited that you were able to find us through him, and I'm very excited to have you on the show. Absolutely. I think that just the power of community, he, you know, being an occupational therapist, sometimes people are like, what do you guys even do? Like occupation, you help people find jobs. And so it's exciting to see, you know, OTs getting out there and really talking to people outside of our profession so that more people know what we can do and kind of how we help. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm all about, too. I'm about helping uh, people interconnect and connect. You know, it's just one of those things that has been such a blessing for us to be able to say, hey, we got a person that you might be interested in. Um, you know, I've always been um, like that with my family. My dad is one of those guys that, like I got a guy for that or something <laughs> like that. So um, it's very much in our family uh, DNA. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah, I can already tell you're a natural. So this oh, is only, I think, my second time being on a podcast. So I'm oh, excited. Okay. I'm very excited, too. So this is going to be fun for both of us. I've always because it's it's helpful that someone like yourself, a professional, has been on a podcast or at least understands what the podcast element does for for you and your clientele. So I'll get started by asking you the question that we usually ask everyone now is, how are you? How are you? Are you safe? How you been the last couple of weeks? It's always up and down lately. And now we're just kind of getting back in the up motion. So how you been? I think just a big sigh. Ah, ah the both of us. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I think that's really good to ask people that. Um, we're doing well. My husband and I, we live in Arizona, and we've been able to actually um, road trip just to stay safe and, and come see some family back in the Midwest. So yeah. that's actually been really good to be able to get outside again and just feel the fresh air, um, you know, also social distancing. I know that this spring has probably felt like a year for a lot of people. Um <laughs> The spring uh, yeah, and into so, the fall, into the summertime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's like, what day is it again? Um, but yeah, so overall, it's going well. Um, I think if my business wouldn't have been able to transition online as quickly as it did, um, you know, from in-person services, and not sure if you'll ask me about that, but um, basically <laughs> switched to virtual. So um, that's been good. Yeah, being able to still work during this, I think, has helped a lot. So overall doing pretty well and um just trying to live each day because i'm a planner and uh oh with the, yeah with the pandemic there is really no need to plan anything so <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm always so curious yeah for those for those that are in that planning lifestyle or at least planners in general like just internally it's like what has it been like just to kind of like as an organized person what has this kind of wrench been into your system been like I think it's a 180, like it's totally flipped things upside down because even it started out, we had actually, um, for like six months had planned a trip to Hawaii and that was going to be in April. And so it's like, of all the places, it was like one of our biggest trips ever that, um, was just immediately, you know, not going to happen. And then we tried to plan it later in the year and it, and it just became, you know what, we want to protect the people on the Island. And so 
it was tough. Um, yeah. I really like to have things to look forward to. Um, that's just my personality. So I feel like that was really hard. I totally get that. It's like a reward or something like that. You know, internally, some people just are, are, you know, wired that way. I know I have my little snacking, like that's my snacking is always that thing for me is, um, it's a reward for my, for me and myself. And so I, I get that. I totally understand that part. So I'll ask you the secondary question that used to be our first question is, can you give us a little bit of origin story of how, um, roots got started? Yeah, definitely. Um, the fun thing is that we're coming up on a year tomorrow, so I can kind of backpedal from there. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty surreal. You know, and, and speaking of planning, we kind of planned this episode a while ago. So I was like, oh, it's kind of on the eve of one year. So started a year ago. Um, before that, I was occupational therapist for a couple of years in Arizona, working in clinic setting and schools and things like that. And I always kind of knew in my heart that I wanted to do things a certain way. And um, when you work for other people, you just don't have that same flexibility and ability, I guess, to be as creative as I'd like to be. So um, I was like, you know, there's got to be a different way to serve families. Um, Let's do this. And so I just talked to some friends and figured out all the logistics. Um, Being an organized person, I was kind of able to work on it after work. So I got home at eight and then work on it in the evening, nine to midnight. And, um, then I finished my other job on a Wednesday and I went full time into roots on the next day. <laughs> so yeah, just started building, building up the caseload and kind of yeah. figuring out, um, I'm a feeding specialist. So that's where roots comes in. And so I was able to work on my caseload while also getting mentorship and taking a lot of courses and stuff. And, mm-hmm. Um, my background in family social science, I have a couple degrees, um, one in family social science and then just a general health studies before I went yeah. to grad school for OT. Yeah. So it was kind of all been a whirlwind, but um, I can't imagine doing anything else. It's been really rewarding to work with families this year and meet yeah. them where they're at. Um, it was in their homes. And then, like I said, we kind of did a transition. So yeah, really figuring out and growing with the families. So it's been really cool. That is so that is a beautiful story. Let me just tell you, first off, that is something that I'm always just interested on in how people get started, because, you know, everyone has their different routes of how they got to where they are. And so for someone like yourself, I'm, I'm curious where the where the love and the um, kind of like relationship with children, like how you how you kind of akin in relationship with them like that and, you know, kind of why you chose that specialty. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I am just like a kid person. You know, there's yes. some people that are like that. I'm kind of the crazy aunt. I like to tell jokes. I'm pretty goofy. Um, so I just feel like I always jived with kids. And so when I started working, um, besides my very first job in high school, I was at a flower shop. But then pretty much every job after that was either in healthcare or with kids. So oh, okay. I just, yeah, I got to know kids with disabilities. And then um, just being like a younger person in my family, um, we would hang out with a lot of other families. So I was just kind of always a around kids, I guess, and cousins, yeah. things like that. Um, but I really got into working with kids with autism uh, right after high school. So then that yeah. kind of, yeah, played a role in my journey and always thought I'd be a pediatrician. And then when I started out college, I'm like, I really like the problem solving aspect of medicine, but I want to be more creative. And that's sure. really what brought me to 
OT. And then through that, like in school, we, we are kind of generalized. So we learn about all different sorts of things. And I always just gravitated towards kids and the family. Cause yeah. really I still work with adults cause I work with parents just as much as I work with the kids. So Absolutely. we get the best of both worlds. That is so like, yeah, that is really great. And then, um, you know, one of the other things that you had brought up is just kind of your, or the working with the autism. So I know from your, from your website that there was a story of a gentleman that really affected your life. Can you give us a little bit more background information on that? Yeah. So that was when I was a youth mentor. Um, one of those first jobs I was talking about and we'd work a couple hours at a time with different kids and, um, sometimes it'd be around meals. And I just really started noticing when kids were eating certain foods, it was really impacting their communication behaviors, what they wanted to engage in or didn't want to engage in. Um, and so I started wondering what is the connection between like eating candy and like really sugar laden foods and then like not being able to attend for a four piece puzzle or, you know, do Mm -hmm. things. So I don't know. Yeah. And then, um, I, I don't think this is on the website, but then I had another really special guy, um, when I was in grad school. So I worked as, um, like an in-home support person okay. for, um, he was an older, so he was, uh, 18 with autism and wow. I, I went to school in a small, like college town. So yeah. he was just so much fun and, and really gave me that purpose in school. We would learn about things and then I would think, how could I use this with so-and-so? And, um, we would bike around town together. And so all my classmates would be like, we, we saw you and so-and-so biking to the pool or swimming nice. at the pool or, yeah, different things. So I think it's just, it, I, everyone with autism, like they always say, when you meet one person with autism, you meet one person with autism. And that's how I felt with the different humans that I've gotten to interact with is just, yeah. they're all really unique and entertaining. And I just love it. That's, I mean, that really is incredible because, you know, I've only ever experienced a handful of times where someone on the spectrum um, once in high school, and that was probably the most mm-hmm. inspirational and kind of most um, life affecting for me was um, this, you know, this gentleman was in our classes and he was you know, on the spectrum, but he was also highly intelligent and really just all around a smart, caring person if you got to mm-hmm. know him a little bit more. So it was incredible. I got the opportunity to have lunch with him and just, you know, spend a lot of quality time with him and his um I guess his extra person that was with him, the Mm -hmm. the caretaker or what, whoever it may be. I can't remember the name, but, um, it was, for me, it was as a teenager, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, the kind of, um, they teach, you know, we teach each other and just how we interact Mm -hmm. and kind of, he definitely taught me and I hope I was able to give him at least a little bit in return, some, something or whatever it may be friendship whatever it's just something i hope i was able to give to him so you know i i i commend you and so you know that that work and i'm kind of curious too is to how do you as now you're someone who's a professional working how does the relationships change as you as as you professionally grow in this um, environment what is your relationship and how do you gain I guess, I don't know, something from every experience. How, what, you know, what is that for you? Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. I think that's really cool. Just meeting people where they're at is one thing, you know, and so you were able to meet that student where he or she was at and, 
and they met you where you were at. And um, a lot of the kind of shift, I guess, in the autism world is recognizing that autism does not need to be a negative thing. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. it has implications on our life, but it's not always about just changing the individual, but it's also about changing society and the environment and things to make our world more accepting of people that maybe just have a different, we sometimes say like neurodivergent. So they're not neurotypical. And so what they do socially or the way they communicate might be a little different, Mm -hmm. but it's not always them having to adapt to what we're doing. We also need to adapt to their way of living and and how their brain works. So um, I think that's in like the biggest shift being, you know, like you said, in the professional role then is I feel like the connection with the kiddos is, is always still the same. Like we call it building rapport, you know, to use like jargon. Um, we're always building rapport. We're trying to meet that kid. If they're, you know, repetitively playing with a toy instead of saying, okay, we're done with the toy and now we have to do this. Instead you join them, ask about the toy, you know, play with the toy, genuinely be interested. And I feel like that is probably what, I get from the kiddos is like, I don't, you know, know every detail about Thomas the train, but my kiddo sure can tell me all the details, you know, of <laughs> what the train looks like and how it acts. And, um, you know, I've got one little friend right now who is just an avid Ghostbuster uh, oh, lover. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> so, the other day he had a blue shirt on with white writing with a ghost on it. And I had a blue shirt with white writing and he couldn't see it fully because of the telehealth camera. And he, he said, Ghostbusters? Like he thought I had one on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah. just, yeah, remembering, I don't know if that really answers what you're saying, but really just trying to understand what they love to do and, and their favorite things. And, and that teaches me just as much probably as I teach them. So absolutely. I think that you have, I think with every experience that you get with every, you know, with every family, as you come, Mm -hmm. as you come and you come together almost because you have to, at that point, when you are working with those families, I imagine they give you great, I mean, to give your child that, you know, and have that, you come in as someone as a professional and to have you, you know, them interact in their family. That's a lot of give and take for sure. It is. And a lot of trust, you know, like we're being welcomed in, invited in. And so I just, I try not to take that for granted. And I think one other thing I love is kind of growing with the child. So um, like I have clients that have been with for years and so it's really cool to see them, you know, when they're three and then when they're four, you know, just kind of meeting those milestones with them. You really feel like part of their family or when they're learning new skills that they, you know, the, the parent instead of them having to reinforce everything, they'll be like, well, Miss Hannah said, you know, or (laughs) (laughs) they can kind of use me as a, as another um, way to reinforce new concepts. So yeah, it's really pretty cool. That's awesome. So you had mentioned, you know, kind of present day and some of the changes that are going on with the pandemic. I want to get to know a little bit of what you had to pivot or what do you change to help accommodate families and to help kind of accommodate your own business? What are some of the changes that you have made? Yeah. So um, before the pandemic, occupational therapy wasn't always accepted um, in the telehealth world. And Mm -hmm. and that's due to like payer sources or um, our state licensure. And so 
What was really cool is that because of the, you know, emergency that they put into place, our um, governor allowed occupational therapists to be um, providers virtually. So we basically overnight as a profession went from being only in person to teletherapists. So it was really stressful. I'm not going to lie. So I I got I got (laughs) got my planning. yeah, I just never thought that in the first year of business, I would be in a global t- pandemic and then, you know, to switch to teletherapy. And it was for the families too. like no yeah. one had done this before. So we didn't know what to expect. Um, so basically took one week off in March. So I remember and will probably always remember the Wednesday night um, in mid-March and it all went down. And it was like I knew in my heart, I'm like, I won't see kids for a while, like based on the address that was done by the president and just different things that happened. And so then we were just waiting patiently to find out, are we going to be able to do teletherapy? So Mm -hmm. really figuring it out, um, talking with families, you know, they were worried because like when you think about it, when they're used to seeing us every week or multiple times a week, you know, depending what we're working on to not have us in their life too is just another blow to all the other changes, you know, with school and everything else. So basically it wasn't too hard, um, actually like physically adding telehealth as a service. It was more coordinating with families and, you know, redoing the schedule. And then we just got started, like got the approval and got started. So, um, it works you know, really well for some families. It's definitely not preferred for others. Um, Mm -hmm. But just at Roots, we've decided right now that's the safest avenue, especially with just all the cases in Arizona. So as of now, um, you know, since March, we've been doing teletherapy um, to keep our services going. And I think I really hope it's here to stay. I think it's been really cool to see some of the progress the families have made because it's more of a coaching model. So instead of me one-on-one with the kid in person, I'm having to teach the parent how to interact with the child. Mm -hmm. And so it is a different type of therapy. So, um, what kind of creative solutions have you come up with now that you're having to interact through the, the screen? Because I know that it can be I know for me, look at what, what I'm trying to do with you. It's just kind of that interaction. But I can't imagine trying to hold, you know, capture the mind of a child and trying to keep them interacting with you all through through a screen like this. Yeah. So I was able to luckily take um, a couple different courses and webinars. Um, our profession really just stepped up. You can imagine really there were hundreds of thousands of OTs and speech therapists that said overnight we, we became teletherapists. You know, some people were doing yeah. it, but not the majority yeah. um, all around the country. So I guess for me, creatively, it was switching to the parent coaching model and then prep before a session. So my families, we always have um, certain ways to communicate that they prefer, whether that's through, you know, my secure um, record system or phone. And Mm -hmm. so I, we always talk about the next session and then I always send like a list of supplies and that as much as possible is just with things already in their home. I don't want families spending all this money, you know, or having to go to the store more than they need to. So I think probably just using, yeah, I guess my planning, um, talent to be like, okay, how are we going to now we had access to space and time and, you know, supplies, and now Mm -hmm. we don't have any of that. And so how are we going to use things in your kitchen and in your living room? And luckily, you know, a lot of the families I work with do have at least some toys or, you know, they have 
things that their kids like to do. So it's never really just the client talking mm. with me through the screen like we are, yeah. especially now with the young kiddos. And most of my kids are like three to five. And so it's really working with the parent mm. to say, okay, this is how we're offering food today. And then I will literally coach them of what they could say and then they'll try it and then okay. we'll kind of give feedback. So, yeah, that's really good. I mean, I mean, that's just kind of like, it's really so pleasant to hear that the, um, the kind of community that you have with the OTs mm -hmm. and they're stepping up, you know, that's what I'm starting to find with through our interactions through other owners is just kind of the, at the community level, you know, some of the interactions mm -hmm. going on and the lifting of one another and having um, a strong community net. And I, I really find it beautiful that you guys were able to, you know, do these seminars to help you educate um, the mm -hmm. others to, you know, this is, this is what we got to do to keep ourselves afloat, you know, and this is, you're learning from other professionals and it's just really incredible that you guys are stepping up the way that it is right now. Yeah, it was cool to see. And I want to give a shout out to Leah Foreman. She's one of my OT buddies um, in Colorado. So they'd been doing telehealth for quite a few years. So they were like ready to roll. And um, <laughs> I just remember the first webinar, it's like, yep, a hundred of us signed up. You know, there was no question whether or not people needed it. So Absolutely. I'm really thankful for her leading the way as well. Well, I am going to be a little bit selfish right now just because I feel like I got to know you a little bit, but I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Well, most people who are fans here, Brittany and I are expecting our first child, so I'm a first time oh! parent. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. So I'm going to be a little selfish right now. I mean, as someone who's going to be a first time parent, um, I mean, what what? Give me this just the very best thing or something that you can just give me that I can lean on in my times of waking up in the middle of the night and just something the best piece of advice you have for me. Oh, your love will always be enough. Oh, thank you. That that is actually very beautiful. Thank you so much. I love hearing kind words like that. It's just really simple and important. Yeah, I just. There's a lot of advice out there. I'm an expert, you know, and I actually don't have kids. So oh, one of the okay. things I, I, yeah, I always felt like, oh, who am I to say, you know, but then I'm like, well, if I'm working with multiple families every week, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of no, you know, I'm really gathering a lot of data about what families are doing and yeah. how kids are acting. And so um, I think above all, though, is you're the one in your, in your gut, your gut, in your <laughs> heart and in your gut, you will know what to do and the best decision, you know? And so no matter what experts, let's say, are recommending, you'll obviously listen to that and, and take mm -hmm. it in. But at the end of the day, you know what to do. And babies just want you. They want love and attention and affection and someone who's there that they can rely on. And mm -hmm. they want tummy time. <laughs> and I won't go into the details, but you know, they, they really just want to freely move and to feel that they are loved. So. Yeah. Thank You'll you so good. much. And I yeah. really do appreciate that. I'm really surprised, like, you know, just at everything that you you're in good spirits. And, you know, is there something that you do? Because now I'm getting into more of your personal life. Like this is are there any routines that you do personally to kind of keep your, you know, how, the spirit, this level of what, you know, comes out your aura the way it is? Are there any routines that you were doing now or have done pre pandemic to kind of keep yourself sanity up, I guess. Yeah, I rest. 
if you can oh, believe it. <laughs> perfect. That is perfect thing to tell everyone. Yeah, um, I actually have quite a few um, health conditions, I guess you'll say, that people never know it when they meet me, but um, just with fatigue and, and different things that have kind of affected my ability to work and um, do all the things that I need and love to do. So I really learned from having issues with fatigue that um, and being a perfectionist in the past, I will say I'm recovering, um, the importance of rest. And as I, we say like, Oh, we're OTing ourselves and that's me. So I really set boundaries around social media or news consumption. And, okay. um, in the beginning yeah. of the business, it was really hard to like take a nap in the afternoon. Cause I felt like everyone else is at work. Everyone else works eight yeah. to five. And I was in the hustle before you know, um, I started the business and it was like, well, if I'm doing a podcast at nine at night, then I'm going to freaking rest from three to five, you know, and that doesn't mean I have to sleep, but it means that I literally might be in my bed with my weighted blanket and then listen to some meditation or nice. read a book yeah. and, or take a Epsom salt bath. I'm definitely known to do that. So, um, not everyone, you know, has the the privilege to be able to do that. And I understand that, but I do think that we all have control over things that, um, are affecting our daily life. So the only way mm -hmm. I'm able to stay sane, like you said, and, um, keep energy levels is to rest. Yeah. Whether that's five minutes, uh, with my legs up the wall or a three hour Epsom salt bath. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to ask, you mentioned the weighted blanket. What's that like? I, I'm, I'm this, I'm this close to getting one for my wife. <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you, it depends what you want it for. Um, well for her, for her, it's her restless leg. She has. Okay. Yeah. So I usually use it. Um, some people use it before bed. If you use it, um, during the night, you know, there's different precautions, I guess you'd say, like if we use it with kids and they would need to be able to lift it off their body, things like that. But, um, as an adult, we say about five to 10% of your body weight and, um, an OT actually, they go by the sensory project, um, out of Boise, they make a bunch of different uh, weighted products. So yeah. I actually have a weighted eye mask for sleep oh, and also cool. blanket. <laughs> That's so cool. That's awesome. And what have you, what have you experienced beneficial wise from, you know, having these weighted, like, especially the mask, the mask one, it seems interesting. Yeah. So I've always struggled with sleep. So that kind of tells my brain is, I think it's four ounces of weight, the mask. Mm -hmm. And it just, tell, I put it on and it just tells my brain that it's time to turn it down mm -hmm. to stop the thoughts. And it's just time to lay back and go yeah. to sleep. So it's a censoring mechanism, right? Essentially? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're okay. for the kids, but they're, they have ones for adults as well. That's beautiful. Um, I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the weighted blanket, um, there's definitely research behind them. It depends on, you know, the population, but just personally speaking, mm -hmm. it definitely helped me relax because I'm not one to just like sit on the couch, but if I have a weighted blanket, I yeah. feel like I'm doing something, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like <laughs> doing well relaxing. So, yeah. um, it definitely helps my anxiety. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I like that. I mean, it's just any beneficial like thing that I'm like, I love, I heard stories about the weighted blanket and its, its effects. So I'm kind of like, I've, I've always been on the fence, but hearing from a professional always kind of helps me like, okay, I think, I think it's worth getting. 
Um, the yeah. other thing that I wanted to ask you too was that I re I just recognized or just realized in my head too that your your college experience and your kind of you know education was Midwest kind of uh, South Dakota and Minnesota. How North did you Dakota or yeah. North Dakota, sorry, <laughs> North Dakota and and uh, Minnesota. How'd you end up here in Arizona? Yeah, so um, my husband and I, we actually weren't married at the time, but um, he's kind of in, not kind of, he's in the corporate world for work. And so he had said, you know, Hannah, if you got a job, like in any big city, I can likely get a job. And um, we had both been to Arizona at different times um, to visit our friends at, and um, like long before we were dating even. And we, I like the sun. I mean, I just do. I need the sun. Yeah. I grew up in a cold place in North Dakota. And um, so, yeah, just different things. One of my friends lived down there. And then there's just a lot of opportunities. So I actually got a job. My first job was in the school system in Arizona. So nice. I worked at a couple of charter schools and that brought us down to Arizona. And I don't think we'll be leaving anytime soon. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I'm glad. I mean, it's a wonderful story. I've always been curious, too, like how you know, everyone ends. I actually, my parents, uh, my mom is Native American, so I grew up here in the, up up north, actually. Oh, okay, I was wondering which tribe or what area. That's yeah, really cool. The Hopi tribe up north. Okay. Yeah, I that was that was cold. It was cold, and most people don't recognize. It's like right next to Flagstaff, so we get all of the snow that comes off of the Flagstaff Mountain. Yeah, so I bet you're used to that. That's good to know, though, because people, you know, they just think Arizona's hot. And I'm like, well, actually, if you go up north, mm -hmm. you can get multiple seasons. So I'm curious if you do you like to camp at all in that area. Kind yeah. of a side note. OK, Yeah, no, no, I love side notes. No, I love camping out in that area. It's just um, I always tell this story and it's kind of funny, too. When I first went out there, um, so my grandparents are kind of. My grandfather was one of the last graduating class from Indian Steel, um, Indian Steel School. And then he went back and he he told me the story. He's like, I remember when the highway was being put in. And so I was like, what? But when I was young, I was like 10 years old. They didn't have a lot of light pollution or like street lights. And so there was at uh, one summer I went out there that I remember vividly riding in the back of a truck and looking up. And just seeing the Milky Way, the way it is, like you'd imagine on any kind of picture out there, it's just so beautiful. Like you could touch it. All the stars were just visible on that summer night. That is amazing. Wow. I love that. And it's interesting to bring up light pollution. And, you know, I think having that connection to nature is so important um, mm -hmm. and being able to have that. It, actually, in North Dakota, just... Uh, recently, my in-laws are really wanting to see the comet that was going through oh, the yeah. comet Neowise. So we actually went on a little adventure um, at night and uh, we're able to get some really cool pictures. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's nice to <laughs> think about nature and, you know, just kind of all where we all come from and yeah, connecting to those those roots and, and how that does, you know, play a role in who we are today and where we are. So. I'm, really kind of, cool. I'm, I'm curious, too. I mean, as much as you guys are educated um, for the OT stuff is like, you know, are you guys being taught things like the Montessori method and things like that? So we don't learn that necessarily in school. Mm hmm. 
Um, but I feel like through a lot of different jobs people have, you know, so OTs that work in preschools or things like that, um, you just kind of come across it. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally really love it just because I think that it aligns with OT really well. Mm -hmm. Um, the way that they focus on independence and they work on life skills, which is what we do. So, um, yeah. Are you thinking about Something well, no, it, it was just our conversation and kind of the outdoor speak. It just reminds me, it's like, you know, one level you work with children, too, as well. So it's just all kind yep. of connected, interconnected in that Montessori. And um, what I've been taught and it, like what I've learned is just kind of that, that closeness bond in nature and how the school and the education through that, through nature and things like that is I, I always found it kind of beautiful, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going reverting back to learning through nature. Yeah, absolutely. And through our senses, you know, that's mm-hmm. really, especially at that age, how we're able to form our brain and make those connections. So Yeah. I've also just started, um, you know, through educating myself and, and just kind of through other television programs, learning about um, spectrum work and, and tactile mm-hmm. learning and, and um, certain kids learning through um, being on farms and being with animals and being, you know, um, vividly interested and focused on on things and life forms and nature. Wow, I'll have to check some of those shows out. You'll have yeah. to connect. Oh to yeah, I'd mean, I love to. Yeah, um, yeah, I would love to. Like, I love you know, again, networking through what I do mm-hmm. in this podcast always helps me. Um, I'm kind of curious too. What are some of the things that kind of interest your mind when you're not working? What are some of the things that, you know, that pique your interest when you're not educating and working with others? Yeah. So I think the funny thing is I'm just in the season of always learning and teaching, like you said. So um, I do have to put boundaries around that. So when I'm not doing that, um, I love doing yoga. So I did a yoga training last year. um, So that. Yeah, it's also something I probably should have mentioned for uh, keeping my spirits up, but that's pretty important. And then, um, you know, my being with my family and friends is great, but I really like going to farmer's market. So I, oh, I'm nice. an avid, yeah, farmer's market. And then we got an indoor garden this spring. Sweet. Um, yeah. So even though we live in a small place, we're able to participate in gardening all year that's round. Awesome. So that, I didn't know how much joy that would bring me, but <laughs> it has you'd be surprised people find like new hobbies through this pandemic that they mm-hmm. never thought they'd be into but look at them now <laughs> yep it's like you you're not going back that's for sure so i was curious too what is your uh favorite spot because there's very few farmers market in the valley area what's your because i personally i enjoy the um the downtown one at the at the uh phoenix public market yeah, so there's the Phoenix Public Market. Um, so they have like a downtown, uptown. There's mm-hmm. one in Old Town in Scottsdale. I used there's to go to the uptown. Gilbert. Okay, yep. And so this summer they moved them. Um, like one of them was um, in a church and then with social distancing, they moved um, like outside of a church. That was around the 7th Street, the uptown one. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely not as many vendors because they had to take turns. But it was really cool to see them coming together to still like the community still needs food, you know. So um, I haven't been to the markets as much as I typically would outside the pandemic. But um, we often go to the Old Town one in Scottsdale. Um, That one's open from October to May. So awesome. I'm just I'm very fascinated just with everyone's what they're doing now, too, with um, 
just kind of like everyone is so so different in their scheduling it's like what do you occupy your time and mind with with especially like some of those favorite hobbies that require you to go outside and in other activities where you're outside it's like can't do that anymore what do you do now yeah i would probably be going crazy in arizona to be honest like i said we, we kind of were able to take this um extensive road trip up up north to the mm. midwest so Without that, I'd probably be going a little crazy in my in our small place. Yeah, it was, it was tough. I mm -hmm. mean, it was tough to put down electronics and put down books. And you know what I mean? There's yeah. only so many things you can do. And I think it just shows like we need people. You know, we are not meant to live in isolation. And yeah. and this whole thing just has totally confirmed that for me. Like there's only so many books and so many shows and movies and courses that I can take and read and watch <laughs> and you know, obviously everything going on um, with racial justice and things that happened since May, you know, so then that was all through June is just revisiting that area and my own privilege and kind of seeing what the business needed to do to really yeah. step up for the community. So I feel like, um, yeah, there's just been a lot of processing mentally and um, needing to step away a little bit to re rejuvenate. Well, again, I really appreciate your time and just kind of speaking with me. We're reaching the end here. So I'll kind of leave you. We do have a section on our podcast called Brittany's Big Question. And, you know, she's not here right now to join us. She actually is over there trying to take care of the animals and doing what she needs to do. But, you know, I will I, I'm I'm filling in. So I think you had just brought up a really big point and I think is a big pivotal news source and kind of content source for everyone is the two things going on in the world. It's the pandemic and then the fight for racial um, racial injustice. And so, you know, what are what are some of the I guess for you, what is one thing that you can give parents kind of, you know, having that trouble and the difficulty of having maybe the conversation with their child or having to, you know, know that their child is interacting with other children soon in school time and, you know, these types of things. What have, I guess, from your professional experience, what have you learned and what can you give to parents to take away to end? Yeah. Tonight? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think children's books are really awesome. Um, you know, we know the benefits of literacy and, mm -hmm. and reading to our kids. And so just getting books that have people that don't look like us and, you know, just, just things like we don't even just looking around the house and seeing, you know, whether you're religious and have statues on your wall or, you know, other beliefs or things like what are the, what are the things on your wall? What does your art look like? You know, mm -hmm. just what are we surrounding ourselves with in the environment? That's what I really woke up to. Um, I've, I've traveled to South Africa and, and I did different um, social or social abroad um, study abroad programs. And, and so it's been something that's been top of mind for me for a long time, but not when I was a professional, you know. So it has been interesting now trying to help parents navigate. Um, so there's some different children's books are really good. And I feel like children's books and then looking around your own environment and your own social network and kind yeah. of seeing how diverse is this? You know, what are some things that maybe we could do to meet other people? Um, sure. There's a really cool garden in Phoenix on um, the Tiger Mountain um, <laughs> Can I tell have you, you something? Been there? Yeah, yeah. Not have only been there, but I'm a landscape architect by trade. And so I, when I was in grad school, we worked with them on a school project. 
No way. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've gotten involved in since all this happened. Cause it, you know, it, my interest of food and feeding yeah. therapy and gardening and everything. And so I feel like there's just different opportunities and, and ways to just broaden your environment. And, and then through that, you'll end up meeting people who, you know, are yeah. different than you. So. Like Tiger Mountain, like the, those guys are incredible. And we what we did was we just wanted to give them the opportunity to show the city. That I guess mm-hmm. that was the, the 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 kind of thesis for what we were trying to prove is that with their program and how you can inject it to the in city and kind of now provide a landscape element to what they were doing and a landscape technique that they could kind of install in different communities things like that. So we were working with them on that project. And that was a fun one for me. I really have to oh, say okay. I learned a lot on on that si- that side of town, especially like just the south side of town from mm-hmm. just being hanging out with them and, and interacting with them. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Jose. Yeah, absolutely. So at the end here, we give it to you to promote yourself, let everyone know where they can find you online, any events that you have in the works or anything that you want to share to let everyone know where to find you and how to um, interact with you and, you know, keep up to date with you. So go right ahead. Oh, and also all your social media handles. Awesome. Cool. Well, my website is just www.rootspediatrictherapy.com. And then I'm most active on Instagram at Roots Pediatric Therapy. Same thing for Facebook, Roots Pediatric Therapy. Um, right now I'm doing one-to-one services. However, um, we will likely go back to doing some groups, so some feeding groups. And then my hope is, um, and just not out in the world yet, we'll be doing some parent support groups um, using awesome. yoga and different rest techniques. So, yeah, come along for the journey. Um, I'd love to connect with you guys on Instagram or through the website. So if you need help with your kids for OT or feeding, um, we are still taking a couple of clients. So awesome. head our way. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate it. Before we go, ladies and gentlemen, you can hear every episode of our podcast at FindingArizonaPodcast.com. We make it easy for you guys to connect with us, so all our social media handles is under Finding Arizona Podcast. Let us know who you want to come in next. And last but not least, if you would like to become a supporter and a super fan, go to Patreon.com slash FindingArizonaPodcast. You'll receive bonus content in return. And with that, we say goodnight to everybody and listening, and goodnight to Hannah here for being on the show thank you so much hannah if you would like say good night to everybody oh thanks so much good night everyone rest well and be well awesome <laughs>